This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. For us, PR from the very beginning was a very important piece in growing the user base because people typically don't search for another keyboard. You have yours and usually users don't think, oh, let me change my keyboard. No, <laughs> you use it. And most people don't think about, is it good or bad? It's just there. Um, so it's about educating people. And here, obviously using the press with the big reach is a very powerful tool in that. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining uh, Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm your host, uh, Jonathan Fishman. I'm uh, VP Marketing here at Stormaven. I'm actually uh, stepping in to replace Esther, your uh, normal host, which is on, uh, she's on maternity leave. So uh, we'll wish her the best of times with her uh, new baby. So we have her today, David Ebriel. He's the CEO and co-founder of uh, TypeWise. Um, David, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, glad to be here. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm uh, one of the two founders of TypeWise. We basically build a smartphone keyboard. Um, that helps you uh, type more conveniently with uh, fewer typos, uh, more speed, and uh, more fun um, on your iOS and Android smartphone. Awesome. How long uh, does the company exist? So we've been full-time on this for exactly two years. We started uh, in October 2019, uh, just when we uh, moved places and I was about to, well, my wife was about to have uh, our second child. Um, and, um, the idea has been around for, for more time. Yeah. So my co-founder Janice, he basically approached me one day. Um, we had worked together previously on another, um, like a, we had an agency together, uh, that we did on the side, hence my, or hence our, uh, proximity to, to marketing, um, from, from the, like from the first day. And, uh, he, you know, he was always optimizing his productivity across, you know, across his phone and laptop. And I think one day his attention turned towards keyboards and he wasn't happy with what was out there and he created his own solution. And I was sold on, um, you know, the story that the keyboard we used was created for typewriters in the 19th century, but we're now in the 21st century uh, and we're using a small phone and not a typewriter anymore. And why are we using the same thing that was never created for like two thumb typing on a phone? And it affects billions of people um, every day, like 80 times per day. So that seems to be like a pretty big opportunity. Of course, it's also hard because Apple and Google, they have their own keyboards and they pre-install it on their phones. <laughs> so you kind of have to swim against the stream. And there's, with every change, there's a bit of like relearning um, attached to that. So we can also maybe talk about that later. But basically, this is what we've been doing. Um, the company is much more than like a keyboard app. Um, we don't have to go into detail here because it's maybe not so much related to, to the marketing, but we built this text prediction AI technology with top people here in Zurich. 
And so it's uh, the keyboard app is like the tip of the iceberg, but there's a much bigger like um, AI platform that we're building um, below that. Um, but maybe that's the topic um, of another day. Just wanted to mention it. Sure. It's, it sounds exciting and a very competitive space. I mean, there's a ton of uh, keyboards out there. I mean, every one of these have their different angle. There's like uh, the Grammarly keyboard and, and so on. Um, who do you guys compete with? Um, I mean, who do you define as your competitors? Yeah, I mean, on, on, the, on the app side, there are basically two types of competitors. There's, a, of course, there's Apple and Google and uh, Microsoft SwiftKey, which dominate the market of all new phones. Um, I think most other alternative keyboards have disappeared. There were some things like TouchPal and it's even a, um, an Israeli company called AI Type. Uh, word and uh, banned because of a scandal because they stole millions of dollars um, from from people. Uh, well, so that's maybe yeah. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to be careful with which uh, which, uh, which keyboard you use. But most of them they have kind of gone, and it, it all the smartphone like manufacturers they basically either go with the Gboard for the Android or or SwiftKey, and Apple anyway uses their own. And so we have to convince. Um, users to try something else. And now here comes the second type of competitor is, well, who else do they try? And there are obviously a few. There is, um, yeah, as you mentioned, there's Grammarly, although they have a bit like a bit of different focus. Um, so there are maybe a handful um, if you look at those top 10 Android keyboards. But we're typically um, often, not, not all, we haven't managed... Um, to be really a standard like a Gboard yet, but in many of those lists were also mentioned. So it's not that there are hundreds of keyboards and it's super competitive, but there's maybe three main ones and then there's maybe five to 10 secondary ones. Um, the hard thing is if you Google in the app store for keyboards, you will find thousands because they're, you know, like an orange keyboard or a pink keyboard or the kitty catty keyboard which are not really keyboards that are any way good to type, but they have another theme or it's just a very competitive keyword. And that makes it hard to just put your app on the app stores. Um, you will not get any traction. So um, also around the topic of today, as I understood for us, PR from the very beginning was a very important piece in, in, in growing the user base because people typically don't search for, um, for another keyboard. You have yours and usually users don't think, oh, let me change my keyboard. No, <laughs> you use it. Uh, and most people don't think about, is it good or bad? It's just there. Um, and so it's not like an active search that we see millions of people searching for, for, for um, alternative keyboards. So we, it's, uh, it's about educating people. And here, obviously, um, using the press um, with a big reach um, is a very powerful tool in that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I mean, the kind of marketing challenge that you guys have is uh, pretty different than a lot of uh, other folks because you're really trying to change something that is native to do OS uh, most of the time. As, as you said, a lot of people don't really actively search for a keyboard. Something has to trigger them to do that. And of course, and if you look at App Store and Google Play Search, uh, it's extremely competitive. Like there's a ton of keyboards. Um, I agree with you. There's also, um, I think the market is pretty educated by now that 
you have to be very careful with uh, before you install a keyboard app because uh, they might steal your data. I mean, they actually know everything that you type, which is, uh, it freaks me out, but it, there's a lot of trust uh, issues there that adds to the marketing challenge. So uh, I think that uh, puts you in a very interesting uh, place to, to talk and, and educate the audience about uh, um, marketing in, in the app stores. So let's, uh, so you said that you had, um, you had a good experience with PR. Um, that when did you start? I mean, was it right when you started? You, you thought that PR is a massive growth channel that you need to invest in? Um, so my co-founder in his previous, one of his previous careers, he worked as a uh, IT journalist. So I think it somehow came a bit natural to us as a team to use PR. We used it the first time when we did our initial crowdfunding on Kickstarter. Um, and that's when we got our first TechCrunch article. Um, and I think we reached out, like, I think he did it even back then. Um, and I think he reached out to like 50 or 100 journalists um, that he just found that cover this type of thing. Um, so I think we did many things right from, from, the, from the start. Um, but also during that crowdfunding, um, we also saw the second learning. It's that um, <laughs> in the end, the more people you reach, the better. Um, so you can have a TechCrunch article, but if not many, you know, if it's somehow nested in a subtopic and only a few hundred people see it, we didn't see a lot of impact in that in the crowdfunding. And then I don't know how we didn't contact them, but it was a national newspaper. Um, in Switzerland that somehow covered it just in their digital edition, mm -hmm. but they have a lot of traffic and it's a lot of engagement they have. Also a lot of haters, but fine, because I think the more the merrier. And then it was just like, you know, contributions to, to, the, to that crowdfunding started coming in every two minutes. Um, so that really basically helped us to, to, to cross the line and it was all unsuccessful back then. And so we, from the very beginning, we saw, hey, that's actually quite interesting um, how, how we get suddenly a lot of people with one article. Um, and we've then built that in into our, let's say, launch strategies um, since, since, that, since that experience. And, and did you have a dedicated, I mean, when you, did you raise money only through that uh, crowdfunding uh, campaign? No, that was very small. That was like 15K um, <clears throat> from 800 people. That was really just a start point. We then, we still took a while to, to go full time. We then raised some funds in total, um, almost 3 million US dollars by now. Um, we did another crowdfunding now, um, but this time an equity crowdfunding. So it's very different um, here. We also, again, had a PR article um, and it, one business angel saw that article. He posted on it on, on, on LinkedIn. I got in touch with him and then he, he invested afterwards. So again, awesome. uh, it shows how PR, it's very different. I think here was more selective PR in the right media that... Um, but uh, it can also work with investors. So um, I think uh, it has been a powerful tool. Awesome. So uh, when you launched, I mean, I think every app 
or even mobile game when they launch, they they have to uh, start building their their ammunition for that launch. And most apps and most games today rely on uh, a very large UA budget uh, that they would deploy probably on Facebook and Google and so on. Uh, so I think that uh, you guys um, um, going towards the PR route uh, is pretty interesting because a lot of people that I spoke with or um, their experience with PR isn't that good. I mean, they, they say that uh, uh, one of two things usually happen. Uh, one of them is, is what you said. You get you do all this work, you reach out to reporters, and finally you get success and, and our article was written and mentioned uh, your app, uh, but only a few hundred people saw it because it, it was nested, uh, you know, in multiple layers within TechCrunch and, and it wasn't that visible. Uh, and the second thing that happened is that you do get a huge boost in visibility, but not a lot of people actually install the app because the intent and the quality of these mm-hmm. impressions isn't that good. Um, was that something that, that you saw, like in terms of uh, like a huge boost in people visiting your app's page, but not a lot of them actually installing? I saw the first one of your points um, a lot, the majority. I mean, uh, we got maybe over the past three months, we got 60 articles, Mm -hmm. um, including one on uh, Mashable, but none of them was like, oh, wow, that was such a big thing. It was just there. And I think it's good because it helps us also with page rank and um, with the backlinks and it has a long tail of maybe visitors. So it's definitely worth it. but I agree. Um, and, 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 and that's an issue. And I think in general, probably the effect of written PR has declined. So I think looking maybe at YouTube as a PR channel, not paid, but getting into those, um, um, yeah, like the celebrities and I mean, the, on the tech side now for, for us, right? Um, but depending on your app, you could maybe be in lifestyle or, I mean, gaming anyway is a huge, uh, um, yeah. Um, also, you could see if you if you get on Steam, maybe somebody who will cover you. Usually they always ask for money. Um, so there it's very hard. Is it to turn it from a paid acquisition into a, a news story that they want to cover? Um, I think it's very hard, um, but sometimes it does work. Um, but anyway, that's so YouTube is, I think that works very well there. We, yeah, there you obviously see the quality of installs is usually not, not necessarily so, so great. Um, but that could also be then a geographic thing, um, because many of those big ones maybe have global reach and you have a lot of Indian installs and maybe then you don't support their language. Um, or maybe the pricing, it, like the business model is not made for such a country. Um, when you have to pay and then, um, yeah, people just uninstall. Um, for us, though, we have seen for the articles that did work, um, actually the quality of installs was very good. Also, they, the, the conversion rate went up, like all the indicators went up for, 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 for that cohort. Did you try to measure it in, in a very granular way, like in no, after connect and, and so on? Yeah, of course, but it's very hard because you don't, Usually, publishers they don't put like an attribution link, mm-hmm. um, and then you then often they maybe don't even click on the link, but they read it on the computer. They take their phone and search for your app, so you have a you have a like a break, um, 
in in the acquisition flow mm -hmm. but you see on the day yeah i mean you have a huge spike and then you you see maybe for that weekly cohort the numbers are just much better so it's clear that spike came from organic and then you can yeah you can take out the paid and only look at the organic um so I think people that read, at least in our case, people that read about the product, they're better informed when they download it. Um, so then the behavior is much better because our product needs a bit of knowledge. So it's because there is this learning curve. And I think if you know what to expect and then you know why you're doing this learning curve um, and then you're obviously much more willing to maybe stick with it for a week. Whereas if you just see an ad and you click on it, you download it, you have no clue what this is. And then you say, oh, no, now I need to learn something. No, thanks. I don't have time for this. Yeah, yeah I think you, you touched a really important point, which is context. Um, today, with iOS 15 and iOS 14.5 <clears throat> and the shift towards privacy, uh, a privacy first world, <clears throat> sorry, um, there is uh, there's a huge importance on context uh, and contextual advertising and marketing to reach your quality users. And, and what you identify there is when somebody is educated or more educated about your product and they read about it and, you know, the very best thing that can happen is that they read about it from kind of influencer or somebody that they trust that explained this is a game changer for how you type, for example, uh, there's a much better chance that person would become a quality user. And then <clears throat> identifying that this funnel exists and creating more uh, more of that. So that's uh, a really interesting uh, view in PR. It's not just getting some mention in, in just any article. It's, it's, it's educating the users and then creating this funnel. So that's really interesting. Mm. Um, the second thing that you mentioned is, is around uh, measurement. I mean, it's, it's, I heard that a lot. It's almost impossible to measure it directly um, because um, I think that goes into the fact that the industry in itself was kind of addicted to direct response attribution up until now. And it's just not how marketing works most of the time. It's not how you or I buy or install apps. Um, things happen across multiple devices. Uh, sometimes you read something on one device, search on the app store on a second device. Um, it's, uh, it's just impossible to measure it uh, through direct response, but seeing that spike in, in branded search, for example, uh, could really show you uh, the impact of that. Mm. So, so what happened there? I mean, once you actually started um, getting traction with PR, you saw your user base basically explode. Well, what was uh, the results? Yeah, I mean, we ha we've had a couple of spikes um, since, since the launch in December 2019, which was one of maybe our biggest PR successes so far, where we've maybe generated almost like yeah it was like maybe 50,000 downloads which mm -hmm. also shows you like getting 10 million downloads from a PR campaign is probably impossible um even getting a million downloads from a PR campaign I think um maybe but then this needs to be a blaster campaign you know like maybe clubhouse or something but uh you need to be maybe in all the big newspapers in like in the US right otherwise yeah. um even like a Wired article we had. Yeah, that was one we had once in the four CES. We were mentioned twice and yeah, that gives you maybe 10,000 downloads. Um, so that's maybe already like a very good article. And then maybe for a launch, you can maybe five of those, right? Um, 
So that's maybe like the the range that that in our experience seems seems feasible. Now we're a Swiss company that gives us maybe there are not that many you know Swiss app makers um, that are successful internationally. So maybe we have a good standing here. It's a bit easier for us here to get into the national um, news. Although it's also hard, yeah, because usually covering apps is not so interesting. Um, so we usually combine it now with the story. I mean, first it was, this is a new app. So that was interesting. And then it was, we then had the story around um, like a fundraise. Then we were in a TV show here. So that gave us another coverage. Um, then um, we, we launched a new version. So we kind of made a big claim and said, oh, our, our AI is better than like Google. Um, so then obviously they, they like to, 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 um, uh, to mention this again. So you have some, some news, um, that you can package, but I think it, it's hard and maybe as a, as a U.S. based company, you have a bigger market, but also there's more competition within that market. I don't know. I think that's, that, that's just how it is. So I think make like, it cannot be your only pillar. Um, I mean, that's clear. It gives you some spikes. Um, and now what we try to do, we have a dedicated person since June who's very experienced in this field. Um, he basically did this successfully for a exited unicorn before. Um, so we obviously hope that uh, he, he can kind of repeat that success. Um, but again, uh, it's, it's a slow effort and... Um, your you have to experiment a lot which messages work and 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 which don't um what is we also do is around trade conferences where we get maybe a like a, a booth or something we then try to make a pr effort um out of it but also yeah do you have then something like do you have some new cool feature and can you sell that feature from a storytelling point of view that it's so like, does it sound so so interesting enough for the press to cover it? Sure. So 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 let's uh, dive a, a bit deeper into the operational side. I mean, there's a lot of folks that uh, are you know contemplating between hiring a PR agency. I know that you had experience with one, or doing this in-house. Um, and you just started mentioning <clears throat> basically the the challenge of having a good story. For the press to, to tell, because nobody's going to cover you if you just say, "Hey, I'm a new app." There's uh, millions of new apps. Um, so, what are you? Um, so, what? Let's start with the agency. What was your experience there? I mean, what does the like? What do you need to do PR? I think you need, yeah, you need a story, like the idea of the story. I mean, and then you need to write the story, which is a press release, which is like a pitch email. Um, and then you need a list of people you can reach out to um, with an email address uh, and you should know what are these people writing about typically. Um, if you have pre-existing relations, maybe that's nice because they're more likely to open your email. Um, somebody told me that like a tech reporter gets 500 emails per day. So if they don't reply to you, then uh, it's not because they may not like your story. They probably just haven't seen it even. Um, so how do you get, I think that's the, the, the hard, like how to get people to open and actually read your email and, and, and get back to you. Um, 
And yeah, and then you need to follow up and uh, have a planning around, okay, if that guy doesn't reply from TechCrunch, just there maybe another person I can reach out to? How many people should I reach out to at the same time? And there's a bit of know-how, what is good practice and bad practice, but I think that's not rocket science. And there's a question, which of these things do you want to do yourself? Um, and which of these things um, would an agency um, cover for you? And apparently... I mean, I, I spoke to an agency once here, here in Europe and they were very uh, open. And I think the person mentioned in the US, this, the, like a one day per, what was it like a one day per week support would, cut, was, would cost us 5K per month or something. And in Europe, it's maybe only 3K euros. That's what they kind of put, put out there. And it was basically, well, you don't need that. Um, yeah, like it, unless you're maybe, you know, let's say you're a, like a B2B SaaS startup and you have no marketing guy in your team um, that can do that. And you're very sales focused, for example. And then you really need someone who, who, who does that public communication. You really don't have anyone who can do it. Maybe then you can, you can go that way. Um, at least at the beginning, but I think if you're a con consumer app, you anyway need a, you need to tell a story. And how do you find a good story to, uh, to to tell reporters? I mean, what was your process like? Because because I think a lot of it is in the story. Even if they open your email, you have to have sure. a story to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean it needs to be true. Um, so when we say our AI outperforms Google, well, on we, we do have benchmarks which are which we do with uh, with uh, with people from the university, and they're and I mean it's not we cannot say all our algorithms outperform Google, but that specific one I think it's broad enough to to be noteworthy, which concerns the auto correction, um, we're better, and so I think it's a fair enough statement to make, and then. We also tested sometimes. So we put the story always in the head, like in, in the subject line, um, like Swiss, um, uh, Swiss uh, AI startup beats Google um, mm -hmm. or new, you know, uh, and then you kind of test it. We also sometimes just put one word in the subject line, for example, keyboard or new or, to, to make it as, as unmarketing-ish as possible. And actually, open rates are quite good with those subject lines. Yeah. Um, or like, um, yeah. Also, if if it like if it looks like it's not sent from a mass, <laughs> yeah, mass, for sure. Uh, email account, yeah, for sure. No, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so I actually worked with uh, researchers uh, in universities to try to benchmark it like independently the, the algorithm. What what did you find there? What kind of algorithm it is? Yeah, I mean, it's like we we looked at our auto correction like algorithm that basically, mm -hmm. yeah, when you as you type makes corrections to it, and then you have to see well how many typos do you correct, but also how many non-typos get accidentally corrected, so in something else which it shouldn't, mm -hmm. and then you kind of have to weigh both uh, both. Um, percentages and kind of uh, create some overall score and uh yeah there we come come out the head awesome so it's really like finding your angle 
that one thing that you can do and, and try to create a story out of it, of, in this case, like a David versus Goliath story of uh, how you guys managed to create something that's better than Google in, in that aspect, um, and how reporters basically... They're always, in, they're always in the lookout for these kind of stories. Um, that I mean, <clears throat> one of uh, our head of content was basically a reporter for like uh, 15 years here in uh, Tel Aviv. Um, so it was really fascinating to hear from him the reporter angle, which is, listen, these folks are always in the lookout of really interesting stories. Uh, it's all about the story. You have a story that is noteworthy and going to grab some, some eyeballs. Uh, they're going to be interested, uh, but as an as an app marketer, you have to create it for them. They won't do it for you. So, uh, so it's really cool what you did there with the the algorithm. Although it's hard, right? We ran run the privacy story multiple times, as you say. The like the keyboard sees everything that you type, and I mean we don't, right? We 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 are a fully private, uh, like privacy focused um, company. And, and and product and we tried multiple times uh, to you know when i think when yeah now with again with the signal and whatsapp and those people who covered that topic we then sent them a pitch and also um explaining like we had written an entire blog article that got featured on on medium um and where we kind of outlined the whole history of all the scandals involving keyboards and how like hundreds of millions of people were affected and how that that's actually like a big thing when you think about it. Yeah. But nobody picked it up. And that's quite interesting. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I would like to hear from someone. Why didn't you like, what, what was your rationale? Why didn't you think it's interesting? Interesting. But I don't know. I still don't yeah. know the answer, but it's, it's just, Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's not always, you know, like there's not always like a clear rational explanation um, of why one thing worked and the other one didn't. No. So I think it's a lot about trying. Um, so as, as with everything, I think maybe instead of running a lot of major campaigns only like twice a year, maybe run a lot of campaigns um, and when you see maybe one works, you could build on that and make it maybe bigger. Um, yeah, maybe that's could be the answer to kind of how to get persistent coverage. Yeah, it's it's not a one time thing. It's, it's a, you have to be like a repeatable process uh, um, to actually get the long term benefits of it and mm. to not rely on these spikes uh, so much. Mm. Cool. So. Uh, we're about to run out of time, but do you have any tips for like aspiring marketers that uh, want to dabble in, in PR? They have very little experience in, in doing that uh, so far. So they're kind of on the fence between hiring an agency or starting doing it themselves. What's a, how do you just get started? I mean, one founder asked me that question once here, here in Switzerland, and I had... I think I had told him, well, you basically yeah, need a bit of content and then find someone who, who covered that content before in like a relevantly sized outlet and just approach the person. And so, I mean, they, they're like an edu. You just reach, reach him on reach LinkedIn? Out. Yeah. On yeah. Or like an email. I mm -hmm. can use Rocket Reach, right? To get people's addresses through LinkedIn. And then mm -hmm. um, I think he did it and they got published. 
So not about the company in the first place, but they got an article about their study. So they had run a study about like, how do you use video for like job interviews and how that changed over the past two years. And they have a job interview platform. Um, and they obviously then got mentioned also as a company as part of that. Uh, and there was, I think, one email that they had to send. Awesome. Um, so I think maybe that's how we get started. And if you don't get, usually we see response rates of maybe, uh, good question, 5% at least, maybe sometimes 10. Um, and if you get like, if you send 100 emails, you get nothing back, then maybe you have to change your story. Yeah. Yeah. But you can also ask someone if you're really unsure, just ask someone, what do you think? Is this, is this newsworthy? Mm -hmm. I think that there's also, it's a good bet to use data, to create like a data-driven story because uh, reporters love that. They love yeah. stories with studies. You mentioned uh, the, the study you did with algorithms. Um, your your uh, founder friend did the same thing. Uh, it's a good bet to start with that. If you're an app company and you really have something that can be data-driven, right? Uh, it, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, you could also say uh, this this app, like my new game, has grown ten thousand percent in the past. Uh, you know, even if it's from one user to like a hundred, mm -hmm. I think <laughs> even just that 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 number might. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or whatever, or you know, people. I see double the engagement than uh, some other game, uh, like some popular game, or yeah, um, I don't know. It can also be a bit. Or maybe you have a personal, you know, uh, like a very interesting, like we had one guy, <laughs> he had um, arthritis and he was one of our users. And he actually, um, I think by, by, ac I mean, by accident, by chance, we had a like, user interview with him. Mm -hmm. And he had mentioned that um, like for, for him, the keyboard almost saved his life. And like how he couldn't use the phone otherwise without type wise. And he wasn't able to, then create a bank account and he was like living on the streets and then he found typewise and then everything changed for him. And I mean, it's true. Like we then wrote a, like an article about him. He, even he has a, like a picture with him and we sent him a t-shirt and so, and, and, and so, and he's there. And we then reshared that story and did get picked up by, unfortunately not the, like we thought maybe in his home state that could become a story, but then it didn't, but some, some picked it up. So again, mm -hmm. maybe there's some other angles that have nothing to do per se with the product, but it's more of like a human story. Um, yeah. I think once you start thinking about it, it becomes very broad. The question is, is it going to pay off at the end? Um, does your, you know, does the, the time you put in to that effort um, result in downloads um, and in uh, revenue um, ultimately? So, so what's your conclusion uh, so far after uh, been doing this for a couple of years? Is it worth it? As I said, I mean, um, I think we've we've had some some key spikes in in the product. We had an investor um, join us um, through directly through that article, and I think in general the articles, um, yeah, they also keep the conversation going um, about the company. Mm -hmm. Do you need it? I think it's not going to be the ultimate driver of success. Um, unless you're super lucky and somehow it creates a spiral effect. But I think usually um, it kind of goes down again. So I think it's not, it cannot be your major pillar of uh, driving user acquisition. I think that doesn't work. I think yeah. you need some other, some other um, 
um, let's say pillars in, um, you know, um, that, that support your strategy, but it's definitely like one of it. And it's a bit broader than just downloads. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, you can't really expect like, um, you know, an overnight success. I don't know if you remember uh, FaceTime. You remember that app? So it got like uh, hundreds of millions of installs. Uh, and it was caught by a lot of uh, publications. It was uh, an app that made you look young or old, depends on what you do. And yeah. A lot of different things or how you look like as a woman or if you're a woman, how you look like as a man. And they got picked up by... I analyzed it uh, back then. It was like thousands of publications around the world. Uh, mm. Celebrities picked it up and it created this spiral effect that was mm. out, out of control, but it led to hundreds of millions of installs. Um, but you can't really plan for that. Uh, and you can't start doing PR and building your processes, uh, hoping that that would happen because it would probably uh, shift yeah. your focus from other efforts that you need to be uh, investing in. Yeah, I think it's that's, I mean, that's a lucky shot, uh, but I think it's worth it spending a bit of time and, and budget on that one. Mm -hmm. Because if it does happen, I think then, yeah, then you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. So David, we're out of time, uh, but I do have one last question that I have to ask you that we ask all of our guests. Um, <laughs> what's your uh, favorite flavor of pancake and which kind of pancakes uh, do folks eat in uh, Switzerland? Yeah. <laughs> So we like to do um, uh, ricotta pancakes. Cool. Yeah. So you can uh, just mix that in and they, they become quite fluffy. Awesome. But then I think standard uh, bacon and maple syrup. I think that's fine. Yeah. Bacon and maple <laughs> syrup. That's, uh, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, yeah that's always tasty. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So thank you very much for uh, joining us today. And uh, that's it for today, folks. Uh, tune in for the next episode. Um, it's with a really exciting guest. I can't share the name uh, just yet, but uh, waiting, uh, waiting, really excited for that interview. Um, so thanks, David. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. And of course, uh, you can always try TypeWise. You find it in the app stores. It's uh, free to download. For sure. Go uh, download uh, TypeWise. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Thank you. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.